Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters and I am happy that this exploration of faith in this time of crisis is becoming a lot more pertinent, even as the world is opening up, even as mask restrictions have been lifted, even as all restrictions on venues have been lifted and everybody can go back to the church benches, but there are important things to discuss within the context of Christianity, starting with the theme that has been extracted for the third Sunday after Pentecost. I'm joined as always by the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman to explain all of these things to me, and he has selected this theme, Freedom is What We Have. Christ has set us free. It is a line from one of the readings, but then there's also a couple of quotes about freedom from Mahatma Gandhi. Freedom is not worth having if it does not include the freedom to make mistakes, which resonates personally with me um, as a person of color who worked in the media. Um, you're not given you're given the opportunities, but you're not given the opportunity to make mistake as m- many times. Um, and then the Nelson Mandela quote is also. For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. So, Father Rodney, what freedom did Jesus Christ grant us that we couldn't gain for ourselves? Let's start there. And how are you doing? Good day to you, Lindsay, and good day to all our listeners. Um, As I said, I'm doing very well. Um, Just come off from having a memorial service for somebody who's. Passing was 40 days ago. And so, um, and of course, we had the, um, the service at home. So it acknowledged the Hindu tradition of memorial after 40 days of burial. And um, perhaps I can extract from that experience uh, that as I prepared the liturgy and had to keep in mind that part of the family comes from a Hindu tradition. Um, I had to, I, 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 I understood the gift of grace to be free enough in a Christian liturgy, uh, which gives worship to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the, um, the acknowledgement of the family's tradition from the Hebrew, from the, the Hindu um, uh, culture, religious culture and the freedom to acknowledge that in the service and to know that God's grace is big enough to hold all things together. Now, answering your question, I think the first thing that I would believe um, I've been set free from or that that Jesus gives us freedom is that, you know, when when I've done wrong, the way that I've understood myself, um, I would say sorry, but then I'm not sure that I'm totally forgiven of my sins. So I keep saying sorry. Mm. Um, and I didn't have the freedom to understand that I needed to forgive myself as well. And that only came very much later in life. I mean, I even say to people now, oh, because I know that guilt means I'm not given myself for what I said or what I did or whatever it is that um, has robbed my relationships of life um, 
and of me getting on with living my life to the fullest that I can. Guilt is, a, is, is an understanding of mine that, you know, I think God has forgiven me. I'm sure the person has forgiven me. But why still still out? Because I can't forgive myself. Until I sit, I said to myself and to people, who do you think you are that if you accept God's forgiveness, you're not willing to forgive yourself? So I needed ongoing freedom to understand that God's forgiveness means I have to forgive myself. Um, I, I needed to be freed from the experiences of my responses to people who during apartheid years was the oppressor. Hmm. Um, how do I, how was I going to minister to them when I was called out to go and work in predominantly white community at Fishuk, which, you know, as is to work with all God's people of every shape, size, and language and color is a privilege for us to work alongside. But experiences often hinder us. You know, things like now I'm crossing over the main road of the train line, which used to be a dividing line. I had to become free to cross over mm. um, because of so many obstacles that was raised in the past. And, you know, when I spoke to two people, who put two people of the parish that I was going to St. Margaret's. Uh, in, I spoke to them in two different uh, times, and they said to me, when I said, you know, um, I don't really know how I'm going to be in this congregation. And both of them said, just be yourself. Now, at that stage, none of them knew who I was. They probably got just a glimpse of how I presented myself when I was interviewed and such, but I was not. I didn't even know how to be myself. I didn't have the freedom to be myself. So where did I have to be made free in my mind, in my psyche, in my perceptions, in um, my outlook um, um, as, as things began to unfold? I had to, be, I had to become free of masculinity and um, patriarchy. Uh, and I'm still in the process of all of that. I took I took become free where I thought God was exclusively just you know okay with Christians and he, and God was beating up everybody else that was not. I had to become liberated from that ideology of God, that mindset of God. Yeah. I had to become free in ministry when ministry becomes restrictive. Um, I can I can offer you this without listening to where people are. I had to be set free from um, tradition, uh, um, this restrictions of traditions and rights and rubrics, uh, which should be interpreted but not restrictive in how we listen to the context into which we are called to minister. I you know I had to be liberated from the way I read the Bible. My list is long. Long, Lindsay. I had to be free how I understood being a father and a husband, and I'm still struggling in those both of those departments because we grow up with a particular propaganda around it, and um, and yeah, so freedom is part of life's journey. Yeah, and we can't 
And I don't have the power to free myself from all of those things. So I celebrate mm. what Paul said in Galatians. I need Christ to help me. Okay. I, I, I can feel that. And, and, I, and I like the fact that you draw from, from your own personal, uh, some would call it shortcomings, <laughs> um, and how you use your faith as a bridge um, um, to your strengths from that. So as a, as a career Christian, um, how do you feel <laughs> when Christianity is bent and twisted into something that underpins a lot of the, like, the decisions that are made in the U.S. right now, for instance. How, how do, do you feel a personal sense of, of loss or connection to those kinds of situations where Christianity is used as a base to strip rights from other people? I'm energized by the fact that in all of it, you know, this, this is not a new thing, but it's, yeah. it's, it's far more acute, if I can put it like that, in our face now. I think I'm still moved by what does it mean to love God and to love one's neighbor? And to view the question, who is my neighbor? Mm. And, and if the rhetoric uh, claims to be gospel, when you spew venom uh, in the name of God, where people say, Scripture says homosexuals can be, must be executed, mm. then I don't believe that kind of reading of Scripture is on par. That's a lie. And now I'm... I'm now it's a so it's a point of how do I defend the faith if one could put it like that? Mm. What is the actual things that Jesus taught us, and what is really in Scripture? So all of this takes us back to go and reread Scripture because these people are just throwing things out, saying things out there, and they they put it on the in the Bible base. They said the Scripture says, and now they they lean on this idea. That scripture is the inerrant word of God, mm. which means that that in the English translation, the King James Version is what God exactly gave to us word for word, comma by comma, full stop by full stop. For me, that's a misreading of scripture. I mean, there's even a critique, though. The English translation of the King James Version comes on over 400 years, uh, and it was used as the main text for many, many years. Um, the King James Version was uh, should also be critiqued because James used, he was the king of England at the time when he, he got this all together. Now, here the king, for example, could have a translation in his name, mm. but prior to that, um, people who translated the scriptures in the language of the people were put to the stake and killed. So, so, so I am aggrieved at one level that people are misusing scripture, but then when throughout of the ages of scripture has not been misused yeah. for one or, or, or other gain. And if, if I truly believe, uh, as I put down there, if the sun sets you free, we free indeed. Um, I see the, these preachers and so-called prophets 
tying people up into all kinds of knots with cultural stuff and with 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 um, superior race heritage stuff. Mm. They are now using mm. scripture as a justification tool for their fears. Uh, their fears in America right now is that black people are replacing white people in in terms of the majority and the minority sense of race groups in the land, which means that black culture they fear will take over white culture that's always been there. So mm. their um, rhetoric mm. to save America, which was an, um, which was a Christian country, what country tell me what country was Christian? Even though it was Christianized, doesn't mean it was Christian. And that is not Christianizing a country. It was colonializing the country using scripture and the Christian faith as a tool, sadly, of oppression in the first place. Yeah. Um, so it does anger me. Mis misrepresentation of scripture angers me. It angers me to the yield because when I look at Luke's Gospel 24, the road to maze experience, Jesus, when he walked with those people, were, were, was informing them from scriptures. And they were able to say, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us on the road? What did scripture do? It set them free, gave them a new perspective about how they should be in relation to the world and not walk away from the problem. Mm. But in relation to the world, the scriptures made them realize it was about bringing the goodness of God's love for all people. And if building institutions meant to, to have a community which practices and learns how to do that love, it enacts beyond the death of people. They don't agree that way they're using it. And sadly, that rhetoric can easily um, get the flame here in the South African context because there are already churches who are preaching what the American people are preaching. So yeah. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted. But I, I need to speak out and speak up too. Yeah. Uh, because I realize also that scriptures got a history in which humans were involved where When you to get edited, to make sense of it, things did creep in that would not necessarily have been the part of the inspired way in which they were meant to be. Mm. But we human and God even uses what what we humans do in a way to bring across what should be so inspired. So it's not reading scripture in the most helpful way. Because I think the message of scripture should liberate the way we think, not in opp oppress the way we think. And particularly when it now classifies people, groups targeted for extinction. So it's nice that you also brought up that, that translation thing, because we're actually dealing with 
a passage in Luke um, chapter 9, verses 51 to 62, uh, where they're in Samaria. And this is now, again, Jesus's journey back from Galilee to Jerusalem. So it's been a concern of mine that I've brought up on the podcast before that um, he kind of turns into a different person um, in the text when he's moving back towards Jerusalem. It becomes less about the message and more about the expectations of the, he has for the people who follow him. Um, so it's kind of him building up his own army, for lack of a better term, uh, and 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 those kinds of laws, and not really about the message that he's trying to bring. Uh, but then, so he's on his way. He's traveling through Samaria, or some Samaria, uh, yeah, Samaria. And then the Samaritans don't want to receive him. And the apostles get really upset and they like, yo, do we have to call down fire? And then um, in this translation, it does say, or at least it has been in, it has been entered that they reference the Elijah stories, because uh, Elijah actually called down fire about three times, I think he did. Um, and that Scholars have agreed that that wasn't in the original text that was in, it was introduced later. But why this is important, um, besides for highlighting the fact that these are edited texts and that there would have been some misrepresentation of the facts, um, some alterations of the facts, uh, I'm particularly interested in your response to this, to the other reading, which is the Elijah reading um, from uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 2 and 6 to 14, where it's kind of Elijah is now going to heaven and then Elisha um, grabs his coat at the end and then gets like a double dose of his, um, his blessing, his power, however you want to say it. It's been translated as different things. But Elijah, the last time we visited Elijah in, in, in our discussion, it was he was on the run from Jezebel. Um, because he had just slaughtered a few prophets of, uh, and he was he was a bit reckless with his his use of the fire from heaven um, to smite his enemies. Uh, but yet, this dude is still getting a ride into heaven on a chariot of fire. So doesn't this set a kind of precedent for the more brazen Christian right? to kind of push their narrative uh, without any fear of consequences. Because, I mean, Elijah went a bit extreme with his wielding of the power of God, if you believe that, and still got a free ticket to heaven. I I, I think that you are correct. Uh, we do take what suits our perception. Uh, one of the things that came to my mind as you were talking was the display of powerful things. Mm. such as a chariot um, of fire with horses leading you into heaven. That's quite a dramatic scene. Yeah. And um, and if you listen to, you call it the, the, the religious rite, there is a perception that God's power must be revealed um, in certain kinds of things that would show the unbeliever that, this God who showed this power um, is is the only God you must serve, and um, and so what happened when America 
under false pretenses attacked um, Iran, Iraq, uh, because there was so-called weapons of mass destruction. Mm. Um, they were reciting as that bombs were being pressed off, the Lord's my shepherd I'll not want, um, is what I understood of some of the narrative coming from the White House and Bush Jr. was doing this. So, so all of the so-called wars that are fought in the foreign countries where religions and cultures are different, this was a claim that, um, that it was the way that, uh, you know, the power of God was being displayed. So the power of God is, is displayed in scripture. Now, think about this. Our tradition, the Anglican tradition, I think with mainline churches, some of them hold in one liturgy, word and sacrament. In mm. fact, if you want to take it, in my view, to the to 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 is actually exercised. The culmination of everything is word and sacrament is at that last supper, and it was a, it was called on the night that he was betrayed. Yeah, and in that <laughs> moment he spoke the words and he broke the bread and shared it. Spoke the words and shared the cup. Now the two for me are held together. But many of the evangelical churches, right-wing churches, are more focused on scripture. And so scripture is the inerrant word of God. This is what God actually said. You see, it sounds more powerful if you can introduce it like that. Yeah. Than when he sits and breaks bread and says, do this to remember me. On the night when he was betrayed, his weakness. Uh, uh, it's about his death. Now, 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 let's read scriptures rather in such a way that the power of God must be displayed. The cross is too weak. The sacraments are too weak for that kind of a brand of Christianity which focuses purely on scripture and only take out of it what suits the agenda. And the agenda is about power. It's about a powerful nation that has a powerful God. And so, in fact, that's how you, how, how the Old Testament, the ancient Near Eastern people operated. Your God was more powerful if you beat me at war. So this war mentality, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's conquering mentality. But does, is that what, is that what the, the Last Supper meant? On the night before he was betrayed? What do you do with betrayers in a culture where you want to be powerful? I mean, a betrayer weakens the side. He didn't only have a betrayer, he also had a denier. And at the end of the day, mm. he was all by himself. All these are signs of weakness. And so for the for for the propagation of the gospel then becomes a power display. They will look for things that would say, this is what God said and this is what we must do. And then they act it out. And the acting out is always with violence and destruction. Mm. So that's the power. And so we come to the Galatian passage. 
where it says, but the spirit produces love, joy, peace. If the spirit produces that, then that's those of us who are who believe in the in collaboration with the spirit within us to produce mm. those gifts, and that's the kind of people we must become. It's it's really uh, in the eyes of those who want power. Um, they 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 do that. Um, they 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 they. This text is not as helpful for them because it does not produce the power display that they want. And then you see they very much into signs and miracles. And so mm. once they lay their hands on you, you fall over. Demonstration of God's power. You see what the prophets here in Africa are doing. They kick women in their wombs. They pull them down. You know, all of this. And people, unfortunately, buy into those displays that are not really even in Scripture that they claim to talk about. I was listening to somebody today who said, this man proclaims to be a Bible-centered preacher. Mm. But for an hour into his sermon, whatever that means, he never once mentions anything from Scripture. <laughs> so how do you become a Bible-centered person? So, so you see, so, so now the, the, the kind of community <coughs> that Paul was talking about is not the kind of community, in my view, that these guys want to portray. They want, some, they want to portray God who beats up the enemy. Whose enemy? Their enemy. Who is their enemy? Well, who's the enemy of America? And and so they usurp the that culture as a biblical culture. And that's what they propagate to those. And you can hear it. I mean, you can hear it. Yeah. You know, they still believe that scripture only talking about a patriarchy where the husband must be head of the home, otherwise the head is out of control. The house is out of control. Is that really what scripture is perpetrating? Or is that really what they want to see? Mm. You see, because the, the, if you break down patriarchy, you break down the white male who's always been in charge of things. And how do they break down the white male? Just see the display towards African-American men. The same happened in South Africa. Mm. You have to make the black man a boy in society so he can't even be a man in his own. Yeah. That's all, all the displays of presentations of God. I was saying it's, it's, a, very, it's a very crucial point uh, that you make there because... Um, even in this, even in this text, like I, I, have, I have a lot of notes because Paul again does that infuriating thing where he says a lot of nice things, a lot of good things uh, in Galatians chapter five verses one, and then thirteen to twenty-five opens with freedom is what we have. Christ has set us free. Stand then as free people and do not allow yourselves to become slaves again. And then he goes through this whole spiel and verse 14 goes, for the whole law is summed up in one commandment, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But then immediately, almost immediately, starts talking about the spirit and then draws a, a line between people who 
have orgies and worship idols and all those things, and that is now not good. But it's like, yo, bud, the whole thing you just said about loving your neighbor as yourself um, and the whole vibe of Jesus spreading universal love and acceptance, unfortunately, tolerance must be absolute. So you can't start claiming your you can't start separating yourself from other humans and placing yourself as better. If something that someone else does doesn't affect how you live your life, that is none of your business. So if someone is out there worshiping idols, um, but is still a civil human being to you and doesn't do anything to diminish your life experience, your lived experience, then why are you making it your concern to try and take them away or put them on the right path, you know? I think that in, in that, with my reading of this was, what does human nature produce all on its own? Mm-hmm. So what in the world do we see now in his understanding of the world? And look, I don't think that, that is being inspired to write this necessarily keeps away our biases. That is why we can't just read scripture. You've got to read scripture with a discerning um, mind and spirit. So um, when I read the definition of freedom, Mm. what does it mean to be free? Uh, It says in a one line, something like, you can then do and speak what you want. Now, that area of want, if mm. I want to tell you often what I want to do, that what would that be based on? Is that then human nature driven <laughs> that I can just classify you? I can, I can. Um, lie about you. I can do all kinds of things. So he was having a battle within himself, I believe, as all of us do. What does human nature produce? And it's not necessarily all the ugly things there, but a lot of the stuff could be seen as that. So, I mean, I may be able to be tolerant with one who does, who worships idols, but I don't even understand what worship of idols means, so I've got to understand that. I wouldn't really, for the life of me, know what witchcraft is. Uh, You know, I grew up with a prejudice against it uh, because it was seen through the eyes of the Christian upbringing I have as wrong. I mean, I don't know what witchcraft is about. Is there anything sinister about it? Well, many people have said it is. I don't know. Is it good for us? If you if you tolerate that, um, is is it is it good to build a community uh, alongside people who practice that? I don't I don't know because I haven't lived uh, alongside people or in a community where that was practiced. But I do know that it wasn't tolerated at a certain point, and where Christians <laughs> actually burnt people to the stake. When we look back at that history and 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 understand, but why was that person classified as a witch? Um, and, you know, and we often learn that it was a misunderstanding. I mean, now in in modern day society, in certain communities, uh, certain the indigenous communities, if you 
say somebody's a witch and they passed, they, they put a spell on somebody, the community could easily rise up and kill that person pointed out uh, as a witch based on, on, on rumor, propaganda, whatever it is. So it is possible that a lot of the things I wouldn't, I couldn't be tolerant to because it does become, um, it does break down society. But is that purely what human nature wants? Is that what they long for? And is it possible that on our own with human nature, can we build a society, let's use your word, of tolerance to each other? Do we have enough in our nature um, to be able to do that? Personally, I don't think so. So that is why I understand Paul saying, we need the direction of the spirit. We need the, the spirit to help produce within us that which will build a tolerant uh, uh, a society. Um, mm. Because besides all of that, there's other differences which are not life-threatening, but, but we may, may disagree with. Um, so I thought it was very interesting how in, the, in, this, in this what's his name, he talks about control, he talks about direction, he talks about production. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, about how. So I, and I thought that, man, on my own, is it possible um, when somebody does something to me that does not register love? My response to that would be what? Anger, hatred, revenge. But when I pray about it, I find that the answer is the better way to deal with that would not be to revenge and the other things you thought about. Mm. But how about you respond in honesty, with intention of reconciliation, and you doing with the motivation because you still love that person, but cannot accept the act. So yeah. I, on my own, I can't do that. That's why I... I would like to say for me, I'm encouraged by Paul saying the spirit has given us life. Let the spirit then control us because the spirit produces. Now, human nature is not killed in the process. Human nature now is, I think, in collaboration with the spirit that worked in us, transformed. Yeah, but then he's not very helpful when, when he starts. When you, when you abstract an idea of what should guide your life? What principles should guide your life? If you abstract something that cannot be explained, you abstract it into something that has never been verified. You know, the only source of this knowledge is a document that was written by many people, documents that have been collated together in some arbitrary structure in this book or collection of texts that is being presented. This is the only fact that you can draw on. <clears throat> and when you are now saying that for what our human nature wants is opposed to what the spirit wants and what the spirit wants is opposed to what the human nature wants, these two are enemies and this means you cannot do what you want to do. So who is governing this? You know, if you're saying on the one side, 
cool, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I, I fully agree with that. Treat everybody the way you would want to be treated. Fully agree with that. But don't now come say that you must be led by something that you can only discover. And when you talk to me, who was actually homies with, or at least has an understanding, a deeper understanding than you of what Jesus said. And that, that, that's the only way that this transaction works. And then you still give license to further misuse of this by saying that if the spirit leads you, then you are not subject to the law. How is that helpful? Um, I mean, I, I, your point is well taken. I, I think I would like to start by saying um, the, the way that it's, that is written for me is not just what was said about what can happen, but how it puts me into a relationship with Jesus and in a relationship with the Spirit. Um, and so I need to do my, myself say, Lord, if your Spirit produces love, then please let your Spirit be in me. So it becomes, it leads me to, to pray. Now, and and so and then of course through that information through the prayer, I grow in my understanding and knowledge of how am I supposed to collaborate with the Spirit with Jesus in my life. Um, you know, it's not like it's not just the philosopher's words that should matter. Is where it's the philosopher himself that one is concerned about because those words are either tenants of his own life or her own life. So, so I look to that example and that's where I embrace, I embrace Jesus because I see this as an inspired word, but that doesn't mean for me all biases are taken out of the people who authored this. That is why edit, editing came in because I think people's inspiration, I mean, inspiration can lead you anyways, you know, but it, it directs. So when it says now the whole issue of, of what you said, um, then you are not strapped to the law. Now, is it the law, law, law in that the whole law um, is summed up? The, the, ten, the whole tenant of the law is love. So everything about what the spirit should be doing is to perfect that law within us. Uh, so if we focus on the ten, coming to relationship with God and how we relationship to God through the formation, the, the information given through those Ten Commandments and that um, how it begins to form and shape my life as I learn about it and I read it and I pray about it and grow in it. So the same too, I mean, the four, first four of the Ten Commandments is about really loving God and the next was how you love one another. So it's about, that's the whole tenant there is love. Now, what law then is he talking about? The spirit leads you, then you are not subject to the law. Now, was he talking about the law of human nature? That drivenness by human nature, that uh, instinct within us uh, as, as human people that if he says, um, let me put it where did I put it here. Um, um, he goes on. I mean, this was very strong language. For so the whole law is summed up in the commandment: love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
But if mm. you act like wild animals hurting and harming each other, then watch out or you'll be completely destroyed by one another. Now, I was I was, I was observing people um, uh, over this week and stories that I was picking up. You know, this murder that happened in the in the main road where they yeah. robbed the shop and two young people caught up in all of this. Now, are people, and my question really this week, are people just surviving or are they living? Mm. Are people so caught up with the primitiveness of survival that in order to survive, you've got to kill, you've got to harm, you've got to make sure you have and the other doesn't have. Now, that doesn't necessarily, that's not just violence with gun and violence of criminality, it is violence of profits. It's violence of a corrupt economy that people also use to have whilst others have not. We, we often say that people are driven by, by, by economy, driven by, by, by that kind of violence to the world because it's not about sharing. It's covered up in nice laws that give them the privilege to do what they're doing, but it's still about that primitive instinct where we yeah. are surviving in order to assume we have life. But, we, but, but then you see Mandela is correct. That's not freedom. If, so, if survive is not freedom, it is when, when, when we realize that the only way we can really and truly get into the path of freedom is when I realize I can't be free unless you are free. Mm. I can't live unless I'm we are helping each other to live in a shared way. Now, does the spirit enable see it that to what the spirit produces, as Paul says? Is my instinct just so about survival? And so I live by principles that will ensure that I live in a good relationship with my neighbor. In other words, we both can live. I live in a tolerable way toward him because I'm living in a tolerable way towards myself. And so if I'm striving to do that based on principles, certain bad good, for me, that's enough. Um, my view is that, yes, but I, I still need something more. What happens is that scripture brings me into that um, relationship with the one who can, who having embraced my primitive nature in order to bring me to my true nature, mm. uh, even Jesus Christ, is he not the one I must be in relationship in order to help me to build a world that is better uh, for everybody. Mm. Yeah, I, I I like that you referenced that as well because there was a couple of issues around that that happening in in Kales River that bothered me in the coverage, where because it was foreign nationals, it was chalked up as like a xenophobic murder. But it's like, did they get? 
killed because it was a robbery or did they get killed because they were foreigners, you know? And it's yeah. it's it's just one of those things in in the way the agenda, the news agenda is set now. Um like you had on uh, was it was it on CNN uh where a journalist was talking about how India and South Africa share this kind of victory over our our, our colonizers um but also share an intolerance for foreigners now um or, or other points of view which which I thought was a very unfair comparison because fortunately we live in a country that people like Nelson Mandela kind of put together um in from the ashes of 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 apartheid and we actually got our constitution right on the first try which was so there's a lot of obviously you will hear a lot of talk about pro life uh, a lot of the the conversation or at least a lot of the inspiration for a lot of my notes a lot of the source of my frustrations with christianity stems from an idea of christianity that was behind the whole overturning of the Roe versus Wade um president in the US which has now stripped uh, the freedoms of abortion from women in in the United States and unfortunately pro life um for the pro lifers out there the biggest the best step a government can take if they are truly pro life is to extend all freedoms and rights to all citizens of that country which the South African constitution does grant to all citizens we all have the same rights as granted by the constitution the second best pro life move you can make as a government is to respect actual existing life and not theoretical life by abolishing the death sentence because that gives an opportunity for every person to have redemption to have salvation and we got that right on the first try amen <laughs> and that is a right that we must continue yeah. to 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 no, absolutely to fight for. yeah I, I, yeah and, and and i think you see I don't know whether the vast populace, populace of South Africa see that as that constitution as a one in which we are bonded together as fellow yeah. citizens and therefore the constitution holds accountable those who um who make laws in relation to to that for everybody to to benefit from um and and it holds accountable the nation to how we then live our the tenets of this constitution which is my faith we dream of um with the beauty of all of all that is around us um to be to be a, to be a place for everybody to find life in it to to experience life in it so my bio perspective but i can find common com, com, commonalities with the constitution in order to exercise my patriotism and my citizenry in such a way that it's collaborative with everybody else who may come from a different persuasion than mm. what i what i know. But I don't think after 27 years we've really gelled around the idea of the constitution, because when we listen to and we should stop listening to them too much, 
uh, and challenging them more, our politicians' interpretations of stuff are for their own political gain, mm. whatever their party stands for. Um, we must hold people accountable who take office. Not all of us can take office. Not all of us have a sense of call to do that. But all of us are responsible for this nation. And all of us are responsible for this nation, for whoever is in this nation. Mm. Because mm. our constitution allows people of all ilks to be part of this nation. And therefore, um, if we truly believe that a for want of a better system, democracy is what, what we think is a better system than the systems we lived under, then we should, even from our various perspectives, ensure that that democracy works for everybody. Mm. But I don't think we find, even like the United States, mm. who have, patri patriotism, patriotism is, a, is a huge thing with them. Even in their churches, at least the ones I visited, um, had flags of the nation flying in them. Uh, th they stand in the sanctuary. Um, so, <clears throat> so now my question is, on what principles is the division beginning to happen? Why is it cracking at the seams right now? Mm. Is it because of an ideology? Mm. Is it because of a narcissistic leader who claims he'll protect the white population, and and now again we see a different form of of what uh, a kind of form that colonialists use. Né? Mm. You use religion, yeah, to oppress people. You use religion to kill people. They claim that this is what the Muslim people do, but what are they doing now? <laughs> and and this is why I'm really astounded, um, and and that is why I understand why people reject religion based on things that these people are doing. Mm -hmm. So those of us who say, no, that's not the way of Christ. That's not the way the Spirit leads us. We need to become more bolder. We need to become more uh, 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 affirmed in what we believe in such a way that it does not imprison and enslave us to philosophy, but frees us to do what what it says here, really loving our neighbor. Mm. That's the driving force. Isn't that, isn't that going to make a better world if we love our neighbor? But, but you see, the assumption in that philosophy is, but I truly love my white skin, and I truly love whatever culture national white supremacy has, which I think is more fear, fear of losing. That's what politicians go through. There's a fear of losing. Um, as as people are saying, the mainline churches are, or people are leaving them to go to these charismatic churches. You know, should I be worried about that? Or should mm. I say that the possibility of people going is very real? Because religion, worship has become a commodity. Yeah. yeah, you know, and people don't understand that we are buying into stuff that people are sell selling and marketing. But again, as this person's critique said about this preacher, he claims to be a Bible-centered preacher, 
But for an hour, I haven't heard one thing from the scriptures that he preached. Mm. So, so I'm reading a book at the moment again, which is long on my shelf. And this guy is saying, you know, he's actually critiquing very strongly the 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 the, 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 religi the religious right, um, because what America has done and what colonialists have done, they've commodernized uh, the, the 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 faith. They they've made Jesus a commodity something that someone that you sell but you don't share that reminds me of a song by uh, skunk and nancy um where uh, the the chorus is they're selling jesus again they want your soul and your money your blood and your bones um it's, it's yes <laughs> it's quite it's it's quite fitting in this this kind of thing but yeah I, uh again i i think i I, I still have a lot of, of rage within me that I need to process this week um, uh, to get some negativity out and, and start the, the forthcoming weekend in, in, on a positive note. And the only positive that I can really draw out of this whole situation um, that really touches the nerves uh, uh, of of my my initial reactions, my initial response of rejecting anything that, that that does come this way is is the same critique that I have against the liberals. Um, I identify as a liberal and many people are lip service liberals uh, where they don't understand that you actually have to live the values. And the same thing with, with Christians is you need to understand that if you're buying into the philosophy, you have to live the values. And one of the values is tolerance and tolerance has to be absolute. Um, nothing else can be absolute besides for your tolerance that's why this is an incredible our, our country south africa is set up incredibly well because of our constitution to be a nation of tolerance we respect we carry 14 languages think about that 14. can i just ask you yeah can i just ask you 14 languages? can i just ask you is within the tenant of tolerance love yes now you see when you when you say that part of the tenant i have of of the the the, the first reading what mantle did elijah passed on to Elisha that he needed to continue um, with. Um, and, and I think that's what you and I are doing. We are trying to discover what mantle was passed to us. For want of a better word, um, to make this world a better place. Mm. And will the next generation be able to embrace that? What will they embrace? And your word tolerance, which I'm saying, I agree because you, you know, you confirmed in it is that the spirit of love. Then can we ask our nation's people from its various perspectives to maybe take more time out to consult our constitution and to make it a working document? alongside your faith 
Let your faith speak to it. Let it speak to your faith. So that when you do your daily living, you are working towards the ideal that it that it seeks to represent or present. Mm. You may have derailed my thought train, but you did bring it all into a suitable station. And on that, I will close off. Um, thank you very much for this conversation. Obviously, uh, you did send out communications that everything is open. Church people can stream to the church. Um, there are no Thanks restrictions. In There's no more Google Docs that you need to fill in. You can just pitch up and... It's all a matter of choice now. Personal choice. <laughs> and by personal choices, I'll still probably be the guy in the mask if you do see me Absolutely. in church. Because I'm not going to sit in that closed space with all of y'all <laughs> and whatever I... hygiene. I'm tolerant of your hygiene practices, <laughs> but I don't want to affect my personal health. <laughs> so thank you very much.